what do you associate with Kenny G's music? That's the question that's posed in today's documentary, Listening to Kenny G. Yes, that Kenny G. The guy from the late 80s, early 90s with real curly hair, got real popular for the saxophone. You may not think you're a fan of Kenny G, but I guarantee you, if you watch this documentary and you start listening to some of the songs that they introduce, you'll know immediately that you've heard that song before. It might have been from his CD, more likely maybe a doctor's office, but for sure you are familiar with his music. So what I associate with Kenny G's music is Saturday mornings as a kid at my house. We would take it easy in the mornings as a family, but usually we would be doing house chores, maybe watching TV, but my dad loved playing music on the stereo up loud as we did things around the house. Sometimes it was Fleetwood Mac. Other times it might have been music from the Dirty Dancing soundtrack, but for sure, a lot of the music was from Kenny G's album, Breathless. So come join me as we explore the world of commercial jazz with the 2021 documentary, Listening to Kenny G. Welcome to the Movies of Life podcast. This is Nathan Chandler. Thanks for joining in on this uh, fun conversation today. We'll be exploring the music documentary called Listening to Kenny G by the director Penny Lane. Listening to Kenny G is part of the Music Box series on HBO. It's a collection of six documentary films created by Bill Simmons exploring pivotal moments in the music world. I am a huge fan of Bill Simmons. Uh, it's probably part of the reason I have this podcast is because I listen to tons of his podcasts on the Ringer Network that he created. He also created the 30 for 30 films when he was at ESPN, and I was a huge fan of those. And so when I heard about the set of movies that were coming out, I just uh, I, I had to consume them. And this one I was holding off because it was... I wanted to watch it when I could have some good dedicated time, but I was also looking for the right moment because I knew it wasn't a super serious documentary, but also um, it was, I just wanted to be in the mood for a movie that I didn't have to think too much about that, would, but was also, uh, also kind of hit on some major milestones in the nostalgia area. And th this one hit it out of the park. I really enjoyed it, and I'm really excited to bring on my friend Zach Stevens to talk about this film. I probably threw him off when I asked him to watch this for this podcast. He was probably hoping that I'd ask him to uh, talk about a Star Wars film or something uh, a little bit more well-known, but uh, th this is streaming exclusively on HBO Max. I asked if he had the service, and he said yes, so I said, I... I have been wanting to see this film and talk about this film uh, with somebody. And he said, Hey, I'm game. So I appreciated him kind of taking the chance on this. And I'm real interested to see uh, how he responded to it. And we'll, we'll find out if he uh, is a big fan of Kenny G or music in general. But that's one thing I like about this movie is that I think it's a movie that can uh, appeal to a lot of ages, um, a lot of different uh, demographics. Um, and so why don't we jump into it? Um, just so you know, we do talk about this movie as if you've seen it. Uh, you don't have to worry as much with spoilers on this type of thing, especially it being a music documentary. But just know that going in, you, it, I think it's an entertaining conversation, but it might benefit you uh, to watch it first, um, and you might get a, a little bit more out of it. All right, let's uh, let's jump into the conversation. 
thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. So when I pitched this movie to you, I didn't know if you watch documentaries very often or music documentaries. Uh, you know, I, it's not like, I wouldn't say that I call it one of my things, you know, but almost anytime I sit down with a documentary, I'm interested in it. It's, it's rarely one of the things that I go looking for, but whenever I'm presented with one, I'm I, I typically always really interested in them. Um, and so this one was, you know, it was, it was not one, if you put a list of documentaries in front of me, it probably would have been one of the last ones that I would have chosen. But, you know, I, I looked at the trailer and I thought, okay, this, this could be good. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely took me back to, uh, you know, an, an earlier time in my life, um, when that I'd kind of just forgotten about. And so it was kind of a fun little walk down. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. The reason the the way the movie kind of popped onto my radar is that I'm a big fan of Bill Simmons, who's famous. He's a sports guy, got famous at ESPN and started his own podcast, but he, he started the ESPN 30 for 30 films. And I absolutely love those films. I haven't seen the most current uh, versions of them, but those first like 30 that came out, I bought the DVD set and watched all of them. I, I, I just love, I love the way they told them. And, you know, now he started his own, you know, uh, media enterprise, so to speak, the ringer. And so I listened to a lot of their podcasts and they talked about this. Um, it's called music box and it's six films. This is one of the six films and um, there's one of them I haven't watched yet, but um, it, it it got picked up again, so to speak. So I don't know how many will be in the next like volume two or whatever. But the first one that came out about Woodstock 99, I highly okay. recommend watching that. Yeah. That was one of my that was one of my favorite films from last year. And not I, I knew about Woodstock 99 and the culture, but especially our age and it, you know, it'll make you go like, man, why were we so angry in the nineties? Like, but it, it also, but, but it shows, it gives you a lot of context to just the like hate that was just stewing, you know? Uh, and it, it's, it's really good. So I, I would recommend, I, I recommend you uh, checking that out. So anyway, so I, I've been kind of saving this one just for a time that I could really sit down and enjoy it. Cause I had heard like good things about this one. And so, and you know, I, I I'm not a huge Kenny J Kenny G fan, but I, you know, my, my parents had the CD. I, I know at least one of his CDs. Um, uh -huh. I love the opening credits of this film with the, uh, disc changer, uh, you know, and immediately yes. just that visual, just, I mean, is, is crazy what that brought, you know, brought back to me. And so, uh, one of the questions I want to ask you, which I liked, they asked at the very beginning of the film for, uh, to the interview subjects, but what do you associate with Kenny G's music? Yeah. So, um, it, it definitely, like I said, it took me back. Um, this would have been, I think so breathless was the one that, you know, really, just took off for him. That yeah. was the one that sold, I think they said 12 million or something like that, you know, <laughs> and crazy. I, yes. I, I think that I had that album. I, if I, if I didn't have it, <laughs> I had a couple of the singles from it. Me and my friends yeah. would go. So anytime we talk music from around that period, like early nineties, those were, that was the time. Let's see. I got my driver's license in 93. And so these were the years where me and my buddy, 
we're going to the mall. Growing up in Guthrie, we didn't have like a big mall. So we would drive to Quell Springs Mall in Oklahoma City. And <laughs> every every trip to Quell Springs Mall required a stop at Camelot Music. And they had this wall <laughs> full of singles that was um, like, you know, each one was like maybe a dollar fifty, but if you bought three, you get them for three dollars or something like that, you know, some crazy discount. Yeah. It's basically like buy two, get one free. So right. I would always go and, you know, I'd always be able to find two that I was really interested in having. And then I thought, well, I might as well get this third one. You know, it's basically free. And so that's where I would kind of fill in some of these other ones that, you know, maybe I wouldn't have picked up originally, but I'm like, well, that's popular now. I'll, I'll check that one out. So I had loads of these singles and Kenny G was definitely one of them. And like I said, I may have eventually gotten the full album after I noticed like, okay, he's got a few good ones, you know, here. So, yeah. I mean, at first, that's what it takes me back to. It takes me back to like Quell Springs Mall, Camelot Music, um, you know, junior high, high school dances, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, that was immediately where my mind went um, whenever they started playing that, you know, that kind of memorable, you know, little kind of sound that he has. And I don't know where the pressure came from where everybody bought the CD. Like it's, uh, you cl- watching the documentary. I mean, he's clearly a talented guy. I mean, the mu- the music mm-hmm. itself. Yeah. I mean, that's not something I would pop on now, but it seemed like collectively as a whole America, it was just like, it seemed like during that time, it's just like everybody decided to, you know, Hey, without even saying anything, everybody was like, let's all get into Kenny G. How does that sound? You know? And it's just so funny. And I, 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 I think, uh, I mean, we, I think we've seen other moments. I, I, I think you could maybe Adele is probably close to that. Like maybe to current mm-hmm. times yeah. where it's just like, it's like young people are listening to her old people like know who she is. And that's sort of, you know, not too long ago, yeah. she had her own like special with Oprah and like, on CBS and had a concert on there. So, you know, occasionally there's just these moments in time, but uh, not taking away from the guy's talent, but that was something watching this is just like, this is, this is for sure. Like such a moment in time where like it, I think as today's culture, there's just so much to choose from, right? So much content mm-hmm. everywhere, whether it's movies, music, television, um, so it's really rare for everybody to be on the same page of what is out there. Occasionally, there's those things yeah. that slip through the cracks, you know, um, you know, something like Stranger Things or um, mm-hmm. TV shows like that. But um, yeah, not just nostalgic for the the music itself, but also I think just for that time, it, it does kind of feel like a time that we, you know, we won't necessarily have anymore. I think this documentary did a good job of showing that, no, there was a little bit, you know, there's people behind the scenes that made it happen. And also I appreciated, um, you know, I, I wasn't aware of the, I mean, he had a big career before his, so before the breathless, Mm -hmm. you know, acts or whatever like that. And so, um, I, I like, I like the concept of really getting to say, Oh, you're like, Oh gosh, he started in the early eighties or whenever it was. I mean, and watching it, like as the documentary unfolds, I kind of sort of like what you're saying. It felt to me like he was one of those guys who kind of benefited from coming around at the right time. When I think generally as a culture, if I think back to the early nineties, I think there were a lot of different kind of musical styles that people were interested in. You had like the Gregorian chants, 
that kind of got big yeah. for a while. It was just like I we were like that ready album for cover. And, <laughs> yes, yeah, and and so I, if for a while during the documentary, I was singing like, boy, Kenny G just you know had great timing to to come at us at that time. But then you know as the story unfolds, I realized, oh wait, like he had been at this for a long time, much longer than yeah. I remembered. I I think coming into this documentary, I thought that he was just kind of a sort of a a flash in the like a big flash in the pan. But I kind of thought it was right. almost like an overnight thing for him. You see that like no, like his first album came out ten years before Breathless. Like the the Songbird, I think, is you know, the one that yeah. really kind of like, you know, got his first kind of big recognition. And I love the story, you know, that they tell about that song. But it it did kind of, you know I really liked how I for me, I learned a little bit more about how persistent he was and how much work he put into kind of finally arriving on the spot like he did. Um, because that was something, that was something new to me. I really had no idea about his, if you'd asked me, I would have thought Songbird came out at that same time as Breathless mm-hmm. did, because I kind of thought that was his one album, you know, but turns out he had quite a yeah. few. You know, he didn't come from no, he didn't just come from nowhere, but um, the, mm-hmm. the harboring on the practice aspect aspect of it really, yes. um, was really cool, cool to me. Uh, the fact that he still, still does it to this day. We're both big sports fans and we like basketball. I mean, I'm sure as you were growing up, you always heard, did you always hear the Michael Jordan uh, story that he didn't make the junior high uh, basketball yeah. team. And, yeah. But uh, and then he like, yeah. like practice free throws like all the time or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what it reminded me of. And I kind of thought it was like, well, you know, Kenny G's still doing his thing. Maybe we should talk about how hard Kenny G practices all the time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I was blown away by that. And not, I mean, you know, it's, it's not surprising. It's just not ever something I thought about, you know, how much time he put in that craft, but also, how much time he put into all these other things like being a pilot and the golfer and, you know, all these other things that he's really good at that. I, you know, I, I think I had heard about him being a pretty good golfer before. Um, I had but, to, yeah. You know, the pilot thing was new to me. Yeah. So that was, I mean, it sounds like this is just, he doesn't do something unless he does it all the way. It's kind of what it seems like. Yeah. Um, a big concept, um, a book that I, recommend uh reading that kind of goes along uh it's talking about this uh do you know who chuck Klosterman is um but no. he's a he's an author who writes nonfiction books and he takes different subjects but he just released a book called the 90s and in that book he really talked how the concept a really big concept of the 90s was selling out and wow. you know it was like not a not a hip thing to you know, go corporate, so to speak. And so like you had your little band you really liked, but then all of a sudden they had a number one song on the radio and, Oh, nope. You know, we couldn't, we, we can't get behind Uh that. And I I think, I I think that really, I mean, they touch on that without touching on that, but I think that's a, a big part of why, you know, people started to love to hate him, I think is because, Uh you know, they, they thought, you know, this was just like, I think he just embodied corporate, I don't know, griminess maybe, or yeah, just like. Exactly. I, I wrote this one down. I took a couple of notes while I was watching this. And there was a quote that stood out to me. One of his critics said, I listened to a lot of his music while waiting. 
it was like it was a corporate attempt to soothe my nerves like he talked about you know like in doctor's offices and you know places where you might be kind of anxious you'd always hear kenny g and so he's like it's like the big man is trying to just get me to chill out you know and yeah. i wonder if that's kind of i didn't really think about this until you were just saying that but you know i wonder if kenny g was just one of those people that you could never get away from you know like if you know most popular music you hear it like in the car you know or whatever um, but when you go to the doctor's office, it's not around anymore. You know, you're getting just mm-hmm. some music, you know, but Kenny G was everywhere. And so I wonder if that was part of this reason. Some people were kind of like, okay, I've had enough, you know, a little bit quicker maybe than they do with other people. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the whole section about, um, I think a lot of what people don't see is how much, uh, internet international success, uh, plays in part of like musical artists and even films and how much of a money maker that is. But when they talked about how they like collectively, what was the song going home? Uh, Going home. home, Is that what it was called? Uh, But at the end of the day in China. Yeah. Uh That like that whole section section, you're just like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. They just, I, I know even when like, you know, the China, you know, these big people, the minister of whatever he was called, but the fact that, you know, (laughs) this was the song they adopted to basically calm people as they went home. You know, uh, Uh it made me think of a radio station here, 92.5 at 5 PM. They always Uh play uh, the, the OU song. So I always, that's, that's my, uh, that's my goodbye song uh, at the end of the day. Uh, But, uh, and I, I really like the touch. Uh, I thought this documentary, I think it's a lot of fun to watch. Like, uh, I don't know if you would agree, but it's, it's some, you mentioned uh, that your wife had watched it with you, you know, even somebody who's maybe not a big documentary person or even a big music person. I just thought this was, a lot of fun. I thought it's a really tight documentary. Um, but the fun aspect of it, I just loved how they came back to this song at the end during the credits, you know, as you know, just a way to wrap up the movie. I liked how they tied that in. They, they were just, they had fun with the material, but you know, it was a good way of having fun, but, uh, you know, telling a story, but not picking on him either. They really gave sides mm-hmm. to a lot of stories. I thought, you know, um, the mm-hmm. people who loved him and the people who <laughs> were very critical of him. Um, so, uh, what, uh, do you think, obviously I think he seems like he really does seem like a genuinely nice guy, but mm-hmm. I wondered, do you, do you think, do you think he was, do you think he's a genuine person? You know, I, so this was one of the, I think, most interesting things to me outside of the, just the, you know, the content of the documentary was, I don't know how authentic it was for like his part in this documentary. There's, they even showed the part, you know, where they're taking a break and he asks like, you know, okay, how am I doing? You know, I want to be the best interview you can be, which makes me think like that he's, you know, he's trying to do something that maybe isn't natural, you know? And so I do think it did seem like he's, you know, a good guy. It, it made me like him a little bit more because prior to, to watching this documentary, I, I mean, he was kind of just, you know, there. Like, I really didn't think much about Kenny G other than his music. I didn't know much about him as a person or anything. 
so it did kind of make me think like, okay, this is an interesting guy. I kind of, I kind of like him, you know, he seems pretty likable, like you said, but I also just kind of got a feeling of like, I don't, but I don't know if that was really him or not. He, he also kind of came across as, I don't know if it was defensive because he knows that there's people out there that don't really like him, you know? Um, and so it seemed like he tried to kind of like build himself up a little bit um, in, in ways that I didn't think he needed to, you know, but um, so it, it did, it, it was, compl- I mean, I guess Kenny G's as complicated now as he was when I first started watching the documentary, knowing that, you know, people have strong feelings about his music. And then now I'm like, well, gosh, now I feel like I got some information or some, some more, you know, to think about regarding his music, but now I've, I'm, I don't know about him as a person. Like, I don't know what to think about him. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, we've become, uh, I think a, a little more cynicals with uh, cynical with documentaries now because they're so prevalent. I mean, you could find a true crime mm-hmm. documentary anywhere, which I, I actually love. I, I've always loved the form. So I think it's cool that it's, you know, it's something that people are willing to watch um, because, you know, it's an art form in itself, but you know, there's been, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I think this project was definitely director led. So it, it wasn't quite on the level of like, you know, the Tom Brady documentary where he's like the executive producer or, you know, mm-hmm. or even I love the Michael Jordan, you know, uh, documentary that came out. But, you know, he very much had, you know, control of what was being put mm-hmm. out there when, when it came to that. And so I, I'm sure Kenny G had, you know, some input to this, because if you got, you know, insight into his personality, you know, he 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 is very intentional with who he is Mm -hmm. and how he is presented and stuff. And so in particular, you know, I've made not a full length documentary before, but I've made a lot of uh, projects like this for work and companies Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. And that whole scene that you mentioned where he's like, quote unquote off camera, just talking, (laughs) I I was sitting there going, Uh Oh, he knows, he knows exactly what he's doing right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's not, that's not a bad thing. I mean, he, you know, as he mentioned, he's fully aware that, Hey, I have to keep this hair. This is me. He he never Uh uses, Uh yeah, yeah, he, he never uses the popular word of, uh, you know, I'm a brand, he never uses that, but he, he is very much bought into that. And I mean, kudos to him because he has made himself still relevant with, you know, technology and social media and memes. And, you know, all of a sudden I wasn't, I wasn't aware of his collaboration with Kanye West. I had no idea about that. Uh, but you know, he, you know, he, he, he's, he's making it happen. And so I don't see how you can't watch this and be like, well, you know, he, he, it's not like he hasn't worked for what he hasn't earned. He, you know, he has mm-hmm. definitely yeah. put in the work, whether you like that or not, I don't know, but yeah. I, I think it takes, I, I think it takes a lot of guts to, um, whether or not ethically, you know, bringing in older artists music and playing with that, you know, and making a version where he's playing, you know, I, I, yeah. I understand the creative, you know, conundrum that that creates with, you know, as a creator myself, but you know, he, 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 t- he's taking those chances and he doesn't, he doesn't mind doing that. Oh, well, I, I thought it was really interesting how, um, you know, they have some pretty outspoken critics that you hear from throughout the, the documentary. And, but at the end, 
I, I feel like each one of them kind of said, you know, but I've got to tip my hat to him because, you know, maybe even if I don't like the music, it works. And, you know, and it's not like this isn't hard work that he's doing. Like he, you know, I may not like his style, uh, but it, it's, you know, it, it's worked for him. And I've got to tip my hat for, for what he's been able to do with that. So even though they may not have really appreciated his style or, or maybe even been a little bit resentful that it was so much more popular than the way that they would prefer it to be done. They were still kind of like, but you know, he figured it out and it, it works, you know, so good on him. I, I think even, uh, even someone like star, star Wars, you know, somebody who's just getting it into it now and just taking that face value of what star Wars is now, but you know, the purists like us, maybe that grew up on Star Wars and was like, oh, but you don't know all this stuff before. You know, that's how <laughs> I kind of feel like the jazz community is. But where I don't fault Kenny G stuff, you know, it, he, he was so unique that to me, you know, if that opened up somebody's brain to explore other jazz artists and other jazz music, I mean, I think I think that's I think that's a, always a good thing. I mean, I do that with. Uh, artists I like, you know, I really get into their music. And then if, mm-hmm. if they go on tour and they bring somebody with them, you know, yeah. uh, in fact, one of my favorite bands, we saw them like 10 years ago and they had an opening band. Now that opening band became like our, one of our favorite bands that wouldn't have happened yeah. if it was, you know, certain types of music, you know, lend itself to other types of exploration. And man, yeah. to me, I mean, I, I don't know many people who just regularly listen to jazz so if Kenny G, you know, made up one or two people explore even more, you know, than they normally would have. Hey, I, I think that's a, I think that's a good thing for culture yeah. and for the arts. I was going to say that it's neat at the end to, to kind of see how it feels like he has embraced that a little bit more. And maybe I think he even said like that he feels a little bit of responsibility to continue to introduce his audience to the older jazz musicians. And so they showed, you know, some of his newer, more recent concerts where he's playing songs by Coltrane, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and kind of showing them, you know, like here, are, here are my roots. And I thought that was kind of neat. Can you ever imagine yourself going to just a straight up Kenny G concert? <laughs> um, I mean, if I got free tickets, you know, I might go, um, but I don't know <laughs> that I would ever pay to go. Um, I'm not a big concert guy anyway, but um, yeah, especially for Kenny G, I don't know that I would, you know, go out of my way to make it happen. It would yeah. be, but I, it was pretty interesting to see those. Yeah. The shots that they would go to uh, the crowd shots of his past concerts and just the look on these people's faces. And I, I like, I appreciate, <laughs> like, I appreciate how well he was playing as well, but like, I was like, man, I just, I, I don't think I could ever, see myself getting into it, you know, something like that, that much, you know, but he did. Yeah. And then you had those concerts, the, the view of those audiences kind of gave you a glimpse of like how wide reaching his appeal was. Cause you had people there that were like really into it and, you know, almost dancing in their chair. And then you had people that would like just stoic, you know, and hardly mm-hmm. moving a muscle and just, you know, you wondered yeah. if they even had a pulse, but you know, like that was how, far reaching his music was, you know, back then you had people that really got into it and other people who just liked the ambiance of it, you know, just like to have it all. Yeah. 
He he seemed to attract. I mean, this is just going off of these, you know, clips that we saw in this documentary. But it it seemed as if he was able to draw a really diverse audience too, which mm-hmm. uh, which I think is rare, uh, especially in music, because most of the mm-hmm. time, <laughs> you know, certain types of genres speaks to like a kind of a certain segment of audience. Um, so, yeah. uh, certainly, certainly Woodstock 99 did, which was like overly aggressively white males. So, you know, like, uh, yeah. So that was something that struck me. It makes me wonder you, you talked about, I, I want to go watch that Woodstock one. Now you talked about how angsty everybody was in 99. And I just wonder like if Kenny G, you know, hadn't died out in the early nineties, maybe everything would have been better in 99. we had been more chill, you know, or, he, or he was the cause of it. Uh, you know, they just, people heard it, heard the music, they heard it way too much and it just, it just sent them over the edge. Basically it was an overcorrect. It was an overcorrection. It was an overcorrection. Like, yeah, now I'm going to listen to kid rock and rage against the machine or something. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I, I liked one part that they talked about, just about music in general. The, the, you know, the critics were saying something about how, you know, when you say people take music very personally, you know, the music they like is very personal to them. And when you talk about them mm-hmm. not like, when you say that you don't like their music, that's a really, you know, personal thing. And it reminds me of my days as an RA, when you would have all these students move in. And one of the first things they do is turn on their music in their room. And it's like their way of saying, like, this is me. You know, here I mm-hmm. am. It's the music that I listen to. It's so something that people identify with so strongly. And I, I liked that they pointed that out and talked about that in this documentary. My freshman year, you know, I went potluck and uh, one of my roommates, uh, he <laughs> he had an electric guitar and a little amp. And you would never would even think this knowing him, but he loved Metallica and that whole uh-huh. freshman year, all he would do is play Metallica songs on that little amp. And so anyway, oh, by the end of the year, we, we I, had, I, think I, I think I had my fill of inner Sandman. We had, you and I, I had no idea how similar our roommates were our freshman year. Cause I also went potluck and I had a guy, he didn't have his own instrument, but he was like, I mean, it was the kind of music that at first I'm like, I need to be scared of this guy, you know? Um, I mean, but after listening to it, I was like, okay, I kind of grew to like it, you know, a little bit, but yeah, it, at first I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Like this is the kind of music that he likes, you know, it took me, it surprised me. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, you know, one of the things that really jumped out to me that I thought was kind of interesting it, because I, I, I kept hearing people talk about, you know, they, they didn't like his style and they used, you know, a lot of, they, they one of the things I love about movie or music critics and movie critics too, is the way that they can describe something and put words to the things I was feeling as I was watching or listening to it that I would have never thought of. And the critics they had, you know, in this documentary did a great job of, I think kind of describing Kennedy's music in ways that I was like, yeah, I, I never thought of it, but that's a great descriptive word for it. But I still kind of was wondering like, why, why don't they like, it? what is it about it that they don't like? And then at I think it was maybe halfway through, maybe a little bit later than that. They talked about how for most jazz musicians, it's like a a band that goes back and forth. And it's like a conversation between the members of the band. And for Kenny G, Mm -hmm. it always felt more like a solo act that played Mm -hmm. jazz music, but it was all about him. 
And I thought, oh, okay, yeah, I can kind of see that now. That's That makes mm-hmm. sense to me. And that was when I first realized, like, that's what I think is at the heart of this, like, uh, you know, kind of disdain for the way that he did it. That's it's kind of one of those light bulb moments for me. Uh, I I had a uh, boss who was, uh, at one point who was really into music and he, he always harped on like, are you a music guy or are you like a lyrics guy? And I, I always was kind of more of a music person. Like that's kind of what I more so hear from songs. Um, like uh, uh, my wife, Whitney, she, she would definitely be a lyrics person. Like she, you know, she, even songs I've loved for years and years, like I, I really don't know half of the things that they're saying, you know, but that was something that struck me. That's uh, something that struck me with this uh, documentary as well was like, yeah, his, his, his songs, it really sound like somebody singing to you and almost like I could connect to that because I'm not as much as a lyric person. So I could easily hum along with like his quote unquote lead vocal lead vocals so to speak um so yeah yeah, i thought i thought that i thought that was really interesting and i like the critics too i didn't think they were really actually overly harsh or cynical i thought they really it seemed like they took time to really explain why they felt the way they felt and it didn't seem like Mm -hmm. and you could tell from the age of them well obviously if they were writing about Kenny G when he was really popular, they've mm-hmm. obviously been in the business for a while. And then, and yeah. to me, it didn't seem like they were being mean, mean for mean sake. Mm-hmm. I, I really think they were right. trying to kind of package, you know, why they were responding the way they were. Well, like I said before, I love the whole story with songbird and how like they were running short for time on the tonight show and he was supposed to do the other yeah. song. And then, you know, he, I mean, I thought that was a pretty gutsy move. And I was like, all right, that's, that, that was bold. I like that. Um, yeah. But I also liked, uh, I, I loved all of the early Kenny G stuff that they showed, like the, his first music video and how, you <laughs> know, getting greatness. him to talk about how bad it was. Oh, uh, and it was, I mean, that was maybe my favorite part of the documentary was seeing those early years of him in the jazz club at the school he was at. And then his yeah. early music videos, I, I mean, <laughs> I was cracking up at that part. Yeah, that that first album cover was was pure gold. <laughs> like I, I thought that was yes. excellent. Yeah, but it's funny you mentioned that uh, the Carson thing. That that too was another like. I, I'm not saying that it didn't happen that way, but to me that was another story that I think had been carefully constructed to say like what happened, you know, that day. I, I, I don't know. Sometimes uh-huh. there's, there's something about him where he's a little, he, he, he seems a little too slick. <laughs> it did seem like almost a little bit too good to be true. Like it, like exactly how he would have written it up, you know, like it's, yeah. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah. I have a segment on the podcast uh, called Movie Musings, where I just kind of throw out a couple of questions to you, uh, just things that I thought of while watching the movie. And so I'm going to throw them at uh, throw them out to you. Okay. Movie Musings. The first question I have for you is, what is your '90s music guilty pleasure? After your story of buying, you know, singles at the store, (laughs) I guess Kenny G was one of them. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, uh, I mean. If you want to talk very broadly, singles were one of my guilty pleasures of 90s music. If you want to talk about an artist, I think it was probably, this would have been started in the late 80s and carried into the 90s, but I was all about 
DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. I had every mm, yeah. album that they did. Um, loved that. And those were the songs that, you know, I can still to this day, you know, recite every lyric from every album that they have. I'd listen to those until the, you know, the cassette wore out. That was, those were my guys. A, a band that I think is very specifically 90s that this uh, documentary kind of reminded me of was Diggable Planets because they were kind of around the same time and kind of were in that jazz, you know, realm. And so they were another one of them that I really liked. I like that you brought up that concept of the uh, singles. It just, it just made me think of, I know for sure I had the crash test dummies mm, mm, <laughs> song. Yes. And then okay, yeah. uh, awesome. I had uh, the Adams family values. I think, I think it was the second one, but the MC wow. hammer single. MC I hammer. can't think of the name <laughs> of it. Yeah, he did. He did an Adams family. Yeah, like thing. Uh-huh. I know uh, yeah. for sure. So that's funny. Uh, and I might they have been guilty of owning. A, a, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I, uh, I, 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 I may or may not have had the first Ace of Base CD. I'm pretty sure. So, uh, yeah. Well, that have been. But, I saw yeah. the sign and and all of that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, well, we were talking a little bit about the uh, concert settings and that sort of. I, you, you mentioned you're not a big concert person, but I'm assuming you've at least been to one. But what what's the best concert that you've ever been to? Um, I think the best one, um, I mean, the one that I enjoyed the most was when uh, Jack White came to OU a, f- a few years ago. I, I want to say it was maybe uh, maybe around 2013 or 14, um, he came and he performed at the field house, which, you know, a lot of people don't know about the OU field house, but it's got a kind of a rich history of great musicians that have come through there in the sixties and seventies. Oh, Jimi wow. Hendrix played there. Um, uh, there's a lot of others that oh, wow. don't come to mind right now, but, um, but it was kind of cool to see Jack White, you know, I, he's one of my favorite current musicians. Um, and so I enjoyed seeing oh. him at, in that venue. I wouldn't have pegged you as a Jack White guy. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm there's not a whole lot of current music that I really pay attention to. Um, but I've always kind of liked the White Stripes and uh now the Rack and Tours, you know, and that's he's just yeah, mm-hmm. I've always kind of liked him. One of my favorite bands, uh and I actually alluded to them earlier is uh Guster. They're one of like my favorites. So I've seen them several times. So I've always loved their concerts, but the uh I was able to go to the Dave Matthews band concert in Dallas for it's been over 10 years ago, almost 15 years ago. And I've always been a big fan of them, but I haven't seen them uh, except for that one time. And I, I, I was, I was pretty blown away. Like if I ever get another opportunity, I'll, I'll have to go see them for sure. For sure. Yeah. But Whitney won't go with me though. Cause she's, she's not a fan of them, but really, yeah, she doesn't. Uh, and I, I get it. I, you know, they're not jazz by any means, right. you know, but they, you know, they go off the, you know, they, they, you know, what you hear on the CD is not what you hear live. I you guess, know, they very yeah. much, they're a jam, they're a jam band. Jam band and so, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think Whitney's ideal runtime of a song is probably two minutes. It's actually probably the beginning. And then once the chorus hits, uh, she's great to go on to the next song. <laughs> so the, 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 the 15 minute version of, 
<laughs> of the of ants marching is not her is not her gig you know i get that yeah okay fair enough yeah i talked about this a little bit but the just uh how Kenny G just reiterated practice, practice, practice mm-hmm. all the time. Um, and, uh, so have, it just made me think, is there something that you have ever devoted that much practice to? Um, you know, the thing that, that comes to mind, um, one of the only things that I can think of where I've taken it upon myself to practice, you know, not as part of a team or anything like that, just my own, on my own time doing my own practice is I think writing. It's something that I've always kind of enjoyed doing. Um, and then lately here, as uh, as I've gotten older, I've, I've decided to like set aside time to write. I just enjoy doing. I don't really think of it as, I never had thought about it as practice, but I guess it is. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. spending time doing something and um, it's maybe it's harder to get immediate feedback, you know, as you would on other things you might practice, but it is definitely something that I enjoy spending time doing and and hope that I'm getting better as I do it. Yeah. What kind of, do you mind me asking like what kind of, what kind of writing that you're Um, doing? Yeah. So, um, I don't mind. Uh, so I've done journalism for a long time. I did it in high school and always enjoyed like sports writing. Um, but recently, you know, once I had a kid and started reading kids books, it kind of reminded me about, about being a kid myself and enjoying, I always enjoyed Shel Silverstein's books, um, mm-hmm. like the, you know, um, Where the Sidewalk Ends and Light in the Attic, those little kind of yeah. short poems and, and stuff like that. And so I've tried to kind of do my own versions of that type of writing, you know, s- kind of silly poems and short stories and that kind of stuff is kind of what I like to do these days. Nice. Very cool. I I really enjoyed this movie. I, I think it's kind of a... Uh, hidden gem a little bit you know i i don't think it's the greatest documentary ever made ever made but i think people would really uh enjoy it if they gave it the time is it something that you would recommend other people seeking out i would especially for people who you know are around our age and would remember listening to kenny g you know in the early 90s when he hit it big i it was just kind of a fun you know, it's not quite as nostalgic as like the old I Love the 90s shows on VH1, but it has a lot of that kind of, right. you know, fun, fun memories. Um, and, you know, I think shined a light on some things that I had never thought of. I, I really enjoyed it. And I think a lot of other people of our age would, too. And, and I want to show it to, you know, my son now, kind of give him a little bit of a an idea of what I was doing when I was. He's almost that same age that I was when I listened to Kenny G. So kind of <laughs> give him a... <laughs> he'll just he'll it'll make him wonder even more about like the world that I grew up in that this is what we were listening to whenever I was in junior high and high school yeah well this is this is just how I I have to watch movies but I watched and it certainly with this movie I could I could easily stop it and pick it back up I know that's not the ideal way to watch a movie but you know you just gotta make it work for your life so um I actually watched it the mm-hmm. night of uh, July 3rd and I had about 30 minutes left uh, in the morning of uh, Independence Day. And I just w- I oh, was right. able to sleep in and I just wanted to wake up. And before I had to do everything with the, the girls, you know, Whitney's gone this week. Uh, before okay. I had to, I just wanted to watch 30 minutes. I just finished this movie. And um, so the, the girls had crawled into bed with me, which was like totally fine. But okay. the disinterest 
in their heads was just <laughs> mind blowing. They just could not, they couldn't sit, they couldn't sit still. They couldn't, and not that they were, even, I was even asking them to watch it, but they were just, they were almost like starting to openly distract me just to get me to stop watching it. And I finally, I finally had to kick them out. I was like, I was like, just, just give, just give me a couple more minutes. And I, pr- I promise it's over. So anyway, yeah. But, um, well, cool. Well, thank you so much for uh, taking the time uh, to talk about this. Uh, I don't know if you could call it a silly movie, but when I was like, hey, do you want to talk about this movie? I'm sure it's not the first choice you were thinking of, but uh, I, I thought you would appreciate the uh, the, the, the 90s culture of, uh, of it all. Absolutely. I'm really glad that you chose this one. Uh, for me to watch because like i said it's not one that i would have watched otherwise but i'm glad that i did it was it was a fun a fun documentary to check out yeah and this and these are the type of movies that like i because as i mentioned there is so much content out there that these days that i think these type of movies can really get lost and so you know these are the type of movies i really like to champion because mm-hmm. um I, you know because I, I do think it's a movie that would appeal to a lot of different ages yeah. and, you know, and so, uh, and that gets hard to find these days where mm-hmm. it's something you think everybody will enjoy, uh, unless it's, you know, Tom Cruise in a, right. <laughs> in a fighter jet, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, well, thanks so much. And uh, we'll, we'll definitely, uh, we'll definitely see each other around Norman. Yeah. Thank you, Nathan. Okay. It's okay to admit it. You're, you're going to your music streaming service right now and searching Kenny G, aren't you? Uh, that was a really fun discussion. I, I never thought I would have so much to say about Kenny G, but that's the power of music and movies. And that's why I love documentaries. Uh, that was a lot of fun. And I really appreciate Zach coming on to talk about this film. I hope you join us next week. We'll be talking about the A24 surprise hit, everything, everywhere, all at once. So get ready to jump into the metaverse. This is a really fun movie that has a lot to explore really mind-bending stuff. Don't forget, you can go to moviesarelive.com and find all sorts of reviews and past episodes. Check us out on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, We'd love to hear from you there and engage in our content. Also, feel free to email us at moviesarelivepod at gmail.com with ideas, suggestions. We would love to hear from you. Hope you have a great week. And like Kenny G would tell you, don't forget to practice, practice, practice.